Hi guys, Truff here. Look, first things first, hope everyone's okay during this time. Obviously, it's no good time for anyone uh, being locked up. Um, obviously, it's even a worse time for anyone whose families or themselves are directed uh, affected by the coronavirus at present. Um, hopefully, everyone's okay. Obviously, in terms of the podcast, the virus has affected our plans for what we wanted to do, um, especially with our 50th episode coming up, but we still want to get that content out to you. So what we've done is we've put together a super episode episode today Disney Plus has just launched it's very exciting everyone's loving it uh, so what we've done is we've got the first time films team and friends from the rest of the FT podcast and beyond to put together a Disney Plus guide everyone on here um, has given their recommendation for what you should be watching on Disney Plus um, and hopefully that's enough to help get you through lockdown uh, so my recommendation is first for you today and that is High School Musical, the musical, the series. Now, I know what you're thinking, Truff, that sounds like the cheesiest show on the planet, and you would be 100% correct. And that is why I'm recommending it. Look, I love TV that I can just watch at night. I don't need to think too much about. It's like half an hour episodes. It's easy to watch. That is what High School Musical, the musical, the series will do for you. The premise of it basically is the high school where High School Musical, the first original film, was filmed. Um, it's putting on their first ever production of High School Musical as a musical. I know it's very confusing the amount of times I've said the words High School Musical and musical in this, but hear me out. It's dead. It's actually really funny um, just to watch because it is so cheesy and like so like corny and over the top at points, but whenever you hear the songs from the original movie it does make you smile. It brings back that nostalgia. Also, there's new songs that are quite good. The characters um, are a bit like high school archetypes and stuff like that but they are really engaging at the same time it listen it's it's light tv and in this time where everything's dead serious and we've got the coronavirus and stuff like that i think we all do need something like that so my recommendation to kick us off today high school musical the musical the series go and check it out Hi guys, my name's Mary. Um, you might have heard me chatting away on the First Time TV podcast if you've been lucky enough to come across that. But I'm here today to talk to you about my Disney Plus recommendation. Now, I absolutely easily could have spoke to you about any single film that is on Disney Plus because it's essentially the streaming service that I've been dreaming about for my whole life. But after much chopping and changing and deliberation, I decided to go for an absolutely underrated 90s classic, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Now, this did come out amongst a lot of your big hitters like Pocahontas, Beauty and the Beast, The Little Mermaid, Hercules, all that sort of stuff. So it got a bit lost in amongst all that. But I think that is an absolute travesty because it is an absolute belter of a film and it absolutely has the best score of any Disney film and I will fight you to the death if you disagree with me about that. So it is based on the Victor Hugo novel, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, funnily enough. Um, but when you consider that his other novel is Les Mis, which most people will know as that pretty depressing musical, it's kind of surprising that they decided to go Disney with his other novel because, you know, they're quite similar when you break them down in terms of the depressing theme. But they threw some singing gargoyles into this film, which, you know, lightened it up a little bit. But basically... The story goes, it's 15th century Paris, you've got Clopin, who's the happy puppeteer, who's kind of the comic relief of the story. He narrates the story of Quasimodo, the misshapen but gentle bell ringer of Notre Dame in Paris, who was almost killed by a baby. So he was almost killed as a baby by 
Judge Claude Frollo, the Minister of Justice of Paris, who has got a thing about gypsies. Not a fan. But Frollo was forced by the Archdeacon of Notre Dame to raise Quasimodo as its own, you know, to pay penance for his sin of killing his maw and almost killing him. Fast forward 20 years through song, Quasimodo is now living away up in his, you know, bell tower, hanging about with his gargoyle pals, just living the dream up there, ringing his bells and that. But he decides enough is enough. I want to be out there. And he does. So during the Festival of Fools, he takes his opportunity, cheered on by his wee gargoyle pals, decides to take part in the festivities where he meets his pal, Esmeralda, who unfortunately for Frollo is a gypsy. And he also comes across the absolutely dashing Disney soldier, Phoebus, Captain Phoebus. The three of themselves find themselves basically just in a whole lot of mess against Frollo. Frollo's trying to burn the city, rid them of gypsies, and they find themselves all in amongst about it. Um, and Quasimodo and Esmeralda and that basically just desperately try and, I don't know, defend themselves from it all, basically. You know, be the good and in and amongst all of the bad. Um, and that's about it, basically. The themes of this film are absolutely everything that you would want in a Disney classic. We've got starting, you know, straight off with, you know, murder. We've then got attempted infanticide. We've got eternal damnation. We've got sectarianism. We've got genocide. We've got racism. We've got discrimination. We've got threatened rape. We've got emotional and physical abuse. Not to mention the fact that, you know, Quasimodo has been kidnapped essentially for his whole life. So when we break it down, we're kind of far from, you know, Hakuna Matata with this one, folks, because there's definitely a lot of worries in this film. But like I say, balance out singing gargoyles disney ballads it works out to still be a pretty pretty good film definitely one that when you watch as an adult you're like why was this a kid's film because apart from the you know pretty pretty dark themes that the film has got it also has some pretty adult humor but i think that's definitely why it's one that you appreciate much more when you're older can not really gonna lie i can kind of see why it tanked as a kids film because when you take the songs away the general theme of the story is pretty dark um but you know definitely one to watch when we're now big boys and girls revisiting our disney classics um as an adult but um the songs you've got you've got everything you've got you know the classic disney ballads like out there you've got the essentially really rapey ballad like hellfire you've got the bells of notre dame the opening title number which is pretty pretty religious but i went to catholic school and i appreciate a good hymn so i love it and then you've got the light-hearted disney classics like topsy-turvy etc so i mean what's not to love there's absolutely everything you've got everything you've got to want in a disney film as an adult in this movie so definitely go and give it a watch and change your opinion on the classic that is the hunchback of notre dame thanks enjoy bye hi it's rachel and gibby here hello so we've chosen to talk about hannah montana for the disney plus um really i'm just excited about it to sing all the hannah montana songs and see her fashion oh my god this spinny wardrobe that is insane I actually love it. Enrico in the beach club. Oh, oh, fun. What are you most excited about for Hannah Montana? Oh, I don't know what I'm most excited about. I just can't wait. <laughs> I'm so excited to watch it. Can you tell? <laughs> Who's your favourite character, apart from obviously Hannah? Or what? Miley, should we refer to it as? Big um, Billy. Big Billy boy. <laughs> He's fantastic, Kim. I think he's a bit Lily. I think there's just something about her that's like so funny. Yeah. yeah, but it's actually really upsetting that 
like outside life they don't speak anymore. And also, Do actually, they not? no, they're not friends. That's a shame. I know. Did you not know that? No, I didn't know that. Oh, fun fact then. We, we'd not get information. Yeah, no, we don't like each other, like in real life. <laughs> um, and I'm also excited for see, like the last couple of episodes when she's moving away. Oh. Honestly, right, same, I cry every time. You're meant to be saying things you like about Hannah Montana. I'm not bashing it. You actually love. You were sitting singing it last night. You can out me like that. Jeez. What was your favourite episode? I cannot remember. I can't pinpoint one. You can't remember? No, it's been years since I watched it. Well, exactly. That's when we need to sit and watch it all over again. Oh, great. <laughs> I think one of my favourite episodes is like see the first one and she shows Lily the Hannah Montana cupboard and also probably when like she falls in love and stuff and it's a song he could something special. How oh. does it go again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably going to be one of my favourite. Is there anything else that you're excited about to watch though? What just in Disney Plus in general? Yeah, because last night what we watched. Mrs. Doubtfire, she'd never seen that for the first time and he felt so uncomfortable watching it. Uh, that's one of the most uncomfortable I've ever felt watching a movie in my life. I don't know, I was just getting so stressed out watching it. It was horrible, I would not watch it again, I don't think. You wouldn't watch it again? No, it was a great, good film, but I was so, I was lying here cringing and like, oh, I couldn't watch it again. It's quite upsetting though. I wasn't too know if they got back together then. Like, see the way, obviously it was a lovely finishing, but I just wish, like, do you, did they get back together again? Because obviously... No idea. I know. Not a clue. I feel like they should, like, release a second one. Well, maybe That'd a be a bit one. difficult. How? Robin Williams is dead. <gasps> oh, can we, can we edit that part out? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> Oh, good luck with making a, a second one to that. Put your foot in your mouth there. Yeah, let's go back to Hannah Montana. <laughs> I'm also really excited for Rico! And it, oh, honestly. Oh, that wee guy. Yeah. And the episode ass. when her mum comes back as a ghost, remember that? No, that was a, I can't say I do. That was a great episode. Well, that's all from us. I know we kind of went off topic from Hannah Montana, but that's kind of like usual. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, usually distracted. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope everyone enjoys Disney X, Disney Plus. Uh, you are going to say Disney Extra or something. Right? I know, um, no, what was that other one that was like the pure goth one they made? Disney XR or something? Yeah, anyway, no enjoy, bye-bye. Bye. Hi everybody, my name is Sarah Grieve and I am one of the members over at Wrestling Podcast Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. And that is actually how I met Mr. David Campbell, was through uh, this particular wrestling podcast. And he's very kindly invited me to talk about one thing that I'm looking forward to when it comes to the launch of Disney+. Plus. So the, the actual release, there was one show I was particularly excited to watch. I mean, everybody loves a nostalgia trip or even an excuse to relive their childhood. So the show that I am going to recommend on Disney Plus is called Chippendale Rescue Rangers. So Chippendale are a couple of chipmunks that actually start their own detective agency uh, and they're joined by their friends Gadget, Monterey Jack and Zipper. 
which it's, it sounds like a really weird, weird bunch. Um, so I'll, I'll describe some of the characters for you. So we've got Chip to begin with. Now he is the sort of leader and co-founder of the Rescue Rangers. Um, he's sort of modelled after Indiana Jones. He's got himself a little bomber jacket, a fedora, and he's usually got like a lasso or anything to sort of like or a rope to swing around with. Dale is the sort of fun-loving side of the two, of the, the Regio, um, and he's also the co-founder, and he is based off Magnum PI, which you can see the resemblance instantaneously with the red and yellow Hawaiian shirt. Um, and this half of the duo is usually getting himself into trouble uh, just due to his fun laid back nature and it's usually Chip that's getting them out of trouble. Um, one of the things that I really loved about this show is like I was watching it back and it was Gadget breaking gender barriers. Um, so Gadget is the, the team's mechanic. She is also a pilot and she's also the inventor of all the all, everything that goes on uh, at the Rescue Rangers headquarters, essentially, which I think that's what I really, really liked. And it, it, it even just to this day, like it was released in 1989 and only ran till 1990, but the animation quality is also incredible. Um, so getting to watch Chippendale, it was, it's a good wee nostalgia trip. If you remember it, uh, like me, like very early nineties baby. Um, so it was, it's, it's good to see like that kind of representation and we all know that like animals like cats are you know a bit of a dick <laughs> so I'm trying to put that nicely um a bit of a dick and um so you've got like a you've got a tabby cat which is called fat cat now he is like the main villain of this entire series um, and Disney Plus has got series one to three all down every single episode on Disney Plus and I'm not gonna lie one day in and I've already gone through about 10 episodes of it um, just because it is like a big nostalgia trip so that is my recommendation for um, Disney Plus uh, if you guys have not seen Trippendale then I hope I've convinced you to watch it Hello all movie buff podcast listeners. I hope we're all doing well during this troubling time and keeping safe and sanitised, locked up in isolation. Well, at least Disney have been kind enough to offer us Disney Plus and I am here to talk to you about musicals. But first I will introduce myself. My name is Sophie and I go to uni with David studying film, TV and theatre studies and I've helped him out with some of the fundraising events produced by the full-time football podcast so that's my wee introduction and david and everyone else who knows me knows that i am musical mad and disney plus have such a wide range available to keep our toes tapping during isolation from hercules to annie from newsies to the sound of music but my all-time favorite has to be sister act and not only is sister act available but sister act 2 back in the heart is also on there to keep our spirits high. Not funny. Uh, Sister Act was directed by Emile Ardolino in 1992 and the second film was directed by Bill Duke just one year later. 
It is a musical comedy starring legendary Whoopi Goldberg, who is a casino singer who witnesses a violent mob murder. She is then sent by the police to hide in a convent for her own protection and from there on finds her faith, joins the nuns, teaches them how to sing and eventually converts herself. Now, you might think, this all sounds a bit corny, but the acting is amazing. The musical score is so uplifting. It's a really unique storyline and both films are emotional, but still manage to bring a lot of fun. This film is a classic and if you are a musical fan and have never seen it, then you should be ashamed of yourself. But even if musicals are not your usual go-to, then I still definitely recommend this film. It's witty, funny, entertaining, original and can be enjoyed by all members of the family. (laughs) So there you go. That's my short and sweet heavenly recommendation from Disney+. Plus. I hope everyone stays safe and enjoys praising with Whoopi and the rest of her nuns. <laughs> Alright, uh, I am Nikki, a familiar voice on here, regular panellists. Um, so, Truff's Ass is the day this recommending Disney Plus thing, obviously, so... Uh, I don't really have many recommendations, to be honest. I mean, I've got Disney Plus and that's fucking it's brilliant. Uh, I'm going to just recommend The Simpsons to you. So, I mean, I'm sure everyone's obviously seen The Simpsons, at least a few episodes, but I don't think you'll remember how funny the old ones are. So, specifically, if you're going to be watching it, watch seasons three to, like, nine. That's Prime Simpsons. Season four, specifically. If you want some episodes, Last Exit Springfield and Marge vs. The Monorail for that one are good. Um trying to think what else I could talk about obviously watch the Simpsons movie as well if you want but I mean I myself I'm just going for season one and watching other ones I've seen and it is fucking hilarious and I mean Truffles said for this to be five minutes but I mean I really don't see I'm going to get five minutes out of recommending the Simpsons we've just passed the one minute mark if if you're still listening to my dulcet tones Um, I just fucking just watch Simpsons also failing that if you don't want to get Disney Plus feel free to go and listen to the upcoming podcasts that we're doing but we've done them already and I think that's all I've really got to say so go and watch The Simpsons cheers Hi my name is Marianne and on Disney Plus I would recommend watching Moana so this film is connected to a very fond memory of mine I met David in 2018 in Boston where I was on exchange and he became one of my close friends that I met on exchange. Um, We lived in the same residence and David used to organise some movie nights for us. And one night we all watched Moana together and I really enjoyed it. It was the first time I watched it and I really liked this film. Um, I also re-watched it recently and I'm stuck at home as I should be and felt really good to see the sun and the ocean and just the excellent, wonderful animation of the movie in general. So, yeah, I really recommend it. Go watch it. Hey everyone, hope you are well. This is your favourite old boy. This is your favourite mature student. It's Rob. 
and uh, I'm here to recommend to you a Disney Plus film. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not much of a Disney guy. Uh, I've obviously seen all the classics, loved them at the time, but that was the past. Today is the launch day of Disney Plus and I've had a wee look and uh, I dreaded it at first but wow, I've found the film to recommend to you. It was made in the late 50s, it has a lot of practical effects and it's got a wee smidgen of horror so it's right down my street and I hope it's down your street as well. It's called Darwell Gill and the Little People. It reminds me a lot of going to my great granny's when I was a wee guy. I had my own v VHS copy of this film uh, and it, it excited and scared me in equal measure. Uh, it has a lot of uh, Irish sort of uh, fantasy elements in it. Obviously leprechauns are there. Uh, the Death Coach, the Banshee uh, and uh, alcoholism. But its genre is pretty much family friendly fantasy uh, kind of a uh, bit of romance in there with Sean Connery uh, who actually sings and more surprisingly I think that's his real hair. And he's romancing the daughter of Darby O'Gill, played by Janet Monroe, who plays the firebrand, red-headed Irish lady, who ends up being a damsel in distress. It was the 50s, what can you say? But basically, Darby O'Gill is a wee guy in the corner of the pub who likes to play the fiddle, have a wee dance, have a wee song, have a drink, tell jokes, and most of all, he loves to tell his tall tales. Now Darby O'Gill's tall tales is that he's best mates with the King of the Leprechauns. And of course, the townsfolk think he's talking utter shite. But he's no. And shenanigans ensue. We get to see the shenanigans. We get to see Darby and uh, King Brian get drunk together, have a laugh. Darby's after his three wishes, he wants that pot of gold and King Brian is just after a wee bit of, a wee bit of sort of banter with the old gene. It's really, it's really good, a very entertaining film. Uh, I want to take a wee second just to take note that the special effects in this movie, for something that was made in 1959, the special effects are amazing, like really, really good. Uh, especially in the forced perspective uh, parts of the film where we see the leprechauns uh, interact with Darby O'Gill. Uh, that was all the amount of the planning uh, and organisation that must have went into those shots would, would have been phenomenal uh, and de deserve some sort of recognition from everyone that watches it, even if you don't like the film, but you should. Uh, and also special notice to the scariest monster of cinema. Uh, the Banshee, uh, who made me absolute shit myself when I was a wee guy. Every time she appeared, uh, scariest uh, depiction of the Banshee in, in cinematic history. Probably the only decent depiction of, a, of the Banshee. Uh, absolutely brilliant. So if, like me, you're, you're into a wee bit of comedy and antics and, and horror and old school uh, practical effects and camera trickery 
give Darby O'Gill and the little people a, a, a try. And if you're interested in any horror recommendations, I'm a bit of a horror hound, you can find me on Letterboxd. Um, my username is KillerBob. That's Bob, two Bs at the end of Bob. And uh, I hope you check out Darby O'Gill and the little people. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, but most of all, I hope you take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and just remember, we're all in it together. Hi, I'm Scott McClurge. You might remember me from such a podcast as Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retreat, and Scott and Paul's Raveling Podcast. <laughs> but I'm here to give my recommendation for the Disney Plus launch in the UK, and my recommendation is a classic of my childhood and all of our childhood, and that is the classic X-Men 90s animated series. You know, all the X-Men films are on there, but if you're a bit disappointed with the portrayal of various X-Men characters in the live-action films, then sit back and watch all five seasons of this great animated show. I mean, the theme song alone will be stuck in your head for weeks after just one episode. And we can sit back and watch great great adaptations of X-Men storylines like Beyond Good and Evil, and, of course, the most famous X-Men storyline, the Dark Phoenix Saga, properly told in the animated series. Hi, everyone. I hope you're all keeping safe and well during this time of absolute madness. I know it's really hard to try and keep your spirits up and positive when all you're filled with is sort of bad news. But as much as possible, please try and keep away from the news. And social media is just, it can be so toxic, especially during these times. And the only positives I would say we can take away from this is people are starting to look out for each other a bit more. And... You know, that in itself is a massive change in how we are living. So, my name is Nicola Sharkey and I'm the founder of the online organisation Grassroots. Grassroots is just an online space to help anyone in any way we can. And that can be from amending or creating new CVs. It could be researching vital services that you're needing. Now more than ever, I highlight that um, because I feel like everyone is a bit uncertain of what's going to happen with jobs and stuff like that so if you know i can do my best to research as much as possible and just you know lend a listening ear if there's people that are feeling a bit lonely please don't hesitate to get in contact with me on grassroots social media pages we're on instagram and facebook also my personal email is nicholasharkey18 at gmail.com so i'm off work for two weeks so please don't hesitate to get in contact and David has asked me to recommend a Disney movie of my choice and I picked Lion King. Just because I feel like it's something I've always watched when I was younger. It's a bit of an escapism for me when I'm feeling a bit sad or down. I put on The Lion King, not the live action though. It's a bit of an unpopular opinion but I just feel like the live action sort of takes away from the magic of the cartoon and the characters. I feel like you're sort of absorbed in it more. Um when you're watching the cartoon and the characters are sort of more cheerful and colourful. I love the soundtrack, it just makes me so happy. I have it on nearly every day. And the message behind The Lion King is probably more relevant more than ever that we are all connected in life and, you know, no matter how much you have or how little you have, you are going to you know, you're going, to, you're going to need to look out for each other. No one's exempt from what's going on. So we can all do our bit as much as we can to look after each other. 
and it just is filled with humour and love and kindness and it's something that we're all needing right now. So if you're needing a wee pick-me-up, I recommend The Lion King. Again, I hope you're all keeping safe and well during this time. Thank you. Hello, it's Luke from First Time Films. I'm on every week. You know me. Uh, so we're all deciding what our best picks from Disney Plus is. And mine's definitely, 110% is the best sequel that Disney have ever made. Uh, Truff will argue otherwise, because um, he somehow thinks Lion King 2, Simba's Pride is a great film. It's absolutely bang average, but let's just bury that now. Uh, Toy Story 2 is a class, class film. Class film because it's a sequel to one of the best films Disney's ever made, and it builds on it. And that's what you want from a sequel. Sequels always get a bad rap because they're bad at the end of the day. They're always they try and bank on something else. They try and make the original again. Whereas Toy Story Two does something like the exact opposite. Toy Story One, I'm just going to talk as if you've not seen the film, but we've all seen the films. Everyone's seen Toy Story. I don't know one person who hasn't, but Toy Story One, it's about a toy Woody, who's with his owner Andy for as far as he can remember since he was bought, and then suddenly there's a new toy, a space ranger named Buzz Lightyear, who starts getting all the attention and Woody's jealous and eventually the film ends with them teaming up and they become best friends and it's absolutely lovely. The second one building that, I mean it talks about them being best pals and how much they would do anything for each other. So Woody is accidentally gets sold in a yard sale, well it doesn't even get sold, he gets stolen in a yard sale by one of the villains is Al, Big Al from Al's Toys Barn and uh, the other toy series, so you've got Buzz, Rex, Potato Head, all seeing what happened to Woody and they need to go out and save him. So Woody gets taken across the city by a big owl because Woody actually has his own show um, years and years ago called Woody's Roundup. He was a star and just like Buzz who was also a toy of a programme, uh, Woody was too and he had a whole gang of Jesse, Bullseye and Stinky Pete. So he meets all them and he finds out where he's going. So he was stolen because He's going to get sold to a museum in Japan to just be displayed for generations to come, to be admired by generations upon generations of kids. And it, the reason why it's such a good sequel is because the film talks about how... So Buzz and the gang all try and find where Woody is. And they're on it. So obviously the film would just go from Buzz rescuing Woody, Woody going home and everyone lives happily ever after. But it doesn't go like that. Um, Buzz and the gang obviously go on their adventure to try and get to where they need to be. Woody's kind of, he's up in the air because he sees where he's came from and he gets told that obviously Andy's going to grow up. Andy's going to eventually grow up, go to college and he's not going to take Woody with him. So what's he going to do? Is he going to just see the rest of Andy's life or is he going to go to a museum and be loved by generations of people who admire him for his programme? So it's, it's a decision that's uh, like for a kids film it's quite deep in terms of you start realising the main character does have a conflict he wants to be loved and he doesn't want it to end so the solution would be to go where it would constantly be going but he's abandoning Andy and the rest of the guys but the film's got so many class moments in it unbelievable class moments you've got Buzz who finds out oh he goes into a toy store Al's Toy Barn specifically and there's a whole aisle dedicated to Buzz Lightyear's and there's a new Buzz Lightyear with a utility belt and he's just like Buzz from the first film where he thinks he's a space ranger and it is unbelievable. 
you've got Zug, who was only mentioned in the first film. you never seen him. And you finally meet him. Again, he is just the Space Ranger villain. And they've got that wee storyline going on. You've got Woody meeting Jesse, Bullseye and Stinky Pete for the first time. And Jesse is probably the best character in here because she's the one that's most related to Woody in terms of what he's going through or what he will become. So she's had an owner and eventually she grew up and she abandoned Jesse. She put her in a box to just be picked up by whoever wanted her and nobody wanted her. So she feels totally alone. And I think everyone always talks about that scene in terms of when Jesse gets abandoned. Because it is sad and it's eventually it will happen to everyone. Like everyone grows up and it, you just get on with life. But so Jesse's really wanting to be loved again. You've got Bullseye in the same and Stinky Pete who is honestly up there with one of the worst, not even Disney villains, villains of all time. He's a bastard. He's a wee prick. Two moments in this film. Buzz and the gang are finally getting in to Al's apartment to rescue Woody. And they try and convince him otherwise. And Woody says no. So Buzz walk away. And Woody then starts thinking. He goes, you know what? I'm being stupid. I want to see Andy grow up. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going to take the guys with me. Jesse, Bullseye, Stinky Pete. And he turns around and Stinky Pete is outside his box by this point. Stinky Pete has never left his actual packaging because he's in mint condition, but he's obviously lying. He's a bastard. And he's closing it up, tightening up so the guys can't get back in. He's like, nah, you've made up your mind. We're going to Japan, regardless of what you think. And Woody, it, it boils my blood. I hate it. I hate that he's such a character. You look at him and you go, oh, you're, you're a wee prick. You're a wee bastard. I hate you. And then later on in the film, they're in the luggage part, going to Japan. Uh, and at one point, Buzz and the gang are trying to look for the suitcases to find where Woody is and at one point Buzz opens up the suitcase and Stinky Pete comes out and punches Buzz and knocks him over and it still annoys me how much a good punch it was but eventually the gang gets saved so then it becomes Woody, Buzz, Jesse, Bullseye and they go back to Andy's because any the day they don't want to just be sitting in a cabinet all day and getting looked at they want to go back to an owner that will actually love them obviously Toy Story 3 and 4 come around and exactly that happens Andy does grow up but there's different avenues and stuff and life goes on in different ways and I think it, that's why Toy Story is so good it tackles a lot of adult themes very well for kids to kind of think about it in their own way and that's why I love it so much so I reckon you should definitely re-watch it because again nobody is going to watch Toy Story 2 for the first time it's such a class film I think you should re-watch it on Disney Plus it's unbelievable there's about 25 other people that are going to recommend you something on this list. They're all wrong. Patch them, especially Truffs. Do mine. Watch Toy Story 2. Love it again. And that's it. And I'll see yous next time we do the podcast, whenever this corona shite stops and I can get out of my house. Right, guys. See you later on. Hello, I'm Katie. Um, I'm David's auntie. And I'm Andrew... I suppose I'm David's uncle. <laughs> uh, just a joke. Um, and we have just watched The Mighty Ducks from 1992 on Disney+. It's an absolute belter of a film. If you're stuck and you've got nothing to do and you just need cheered up, I highly recommend this film. It's about a guy who is a top lawyer and he's sort of lost his way a wee bit he's he, so 
he gets himself into a bit of trouble and he ends up having to coach this local junior ice hockey team and with the help of them and a few other characters in the film he finds himself again and finds what his actual passion is um, and he teaches the kids lessons along the way and it is all about having fun at the end of the day and I know we're all stuck in isolation however we should still be trying to have as much fun as possible so I highly recommend this film and I know Katie just watched it what was your thoughts? Yeah it was really good it was your standard 1990s Disney film which was quite nice it made me feel happy just happy. Yeah, just happy. Just happy. Not all the nice feels, <laughs> just just happy. And it's technically a year older than me, which makes me feel better as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, if you're stuck with something to do, uh, stick on The Mighty Ducks. There's there's two other movies after it. Highly recommend them as well. Um, all based around ice hockey. All based around the same characters as well. So it's it's good. You're not not getting a new story every time. Yeah, I'd say 13 out of 10 would recommend. Nice. To a friend. Happy days. Enjoy. Quack, quack! So, hi, it's Grace here. I hope you can hear this all right. I'm outside using my one exercise for the day. Um, so the film I recommend from Disney Plus is The Emperor's New Groove. For me, it's like a really feel-good nostalgia film. Um, but I also think it's one of those films that if you've not watched it until you're an adult, that you'll still really enjoy so it was released in 2000 but it's actually quite a wee bit different from the other type of films released by Disney around about that time so like the renaissance era so um, instead of following like a romantic relationship between a prince and a princess figure it kind of centres around an Incan I think maybe mine I don't know South American emperor who's like relatively young maybe like late teens, early twenties, and is really, really self-centred. Uh, so as revenge for firing her, his advisor poisons him, uh, which turns him into llama, therefore allowing her to reign. Um, the film turns into like more of a buddy comedy than a rom-com, which was typical of the year. So it's like a buddy comedy between the emperor, Cusco, who's now a llama, and a humble villager named Pacha. So he promises to help the village in return for helping the emperor so as a film it's a note display a lot more comedic in tone than other disney films uh, which i think the type of humor in it sorry there's really loud birds so i think the type of humor and it appeals both to kids and to adults like it kind of tries to play for both um i believe this is kind of also partly due to the casting as well as like the writing and the references they put throughout so the cast members in it all have sort of comedy backgrounds. So like Saturday Night Live's David Spade, the sitcom star John Goodman, Family Guy's Patrick Warburton. So they focused more on like comedy stars uh, who were well known, but rather than like star power. So say like Mel Gibson and Pocahontas or Matthew Broderick and like The Lion King. Uh, also in terms of characters, uh, also in terms of characters, I would argue that it also has some of the best Disney characters or at least like throughout the cast they're all consistently quite good. Uh, so none of the characters are boring or one-dimensional. You see their flaws and their weaknesses as well as their like humour, brains and sometimes kindness throughout. Uh, also I would argue that the character of Yzma is one of the best Disney villains going. 
And her sidekick, Kronk, is definitely one of the most scene-stealing characters in the Disney universe, I would argue. Uh, So whilst it's not a musical like other Disney films, it does also have some great songs, which were actually all written by Sting, such as Perfect World, which was performed by Tom Jones. Also, if you're someone who loves film trivia or knowing about the making of films, it also has really interesting background. So, like, basically had to get completely revised several times and has loads of different plot elements originally and characters. And it also, like, some other famous people were meant to be in it, like Laura Preppin, I think that's how you say her name, from, like, Orange is New Black and that's 70 shows, but she had to get cut. So, and it was almost just flat out cancelled a bunch of times too. So, apologies for the birds in the background. Um, but there you go that's my recommendation for The Emperor's New Groove like I said if you loved it as a kid I guarantee you still will and if you haven't seen it it still has enough charm and wit for an adult to enjoy so thanks very much hope everyone's keeping safe and being positive see ya hi my name is Manon I'm 22 years old and I'm currently in my fourth year at Glasgow University studying film and television and my recommendation for what you should watch on Disney Plus is a cartoon called Kim Possible. Now, if you grew up like me watching the show, you should simply watch it just for nostalgic reasons. Like, I don't probably even have to tell you how good it is. You know how freaking good it is and how hilarious it is. And, you know, it still holds up even after all those years. Um, if you for some reason did not grow up watching Compossible or have never seen Compossible, I don't know how you've done that, but you should really watch it. Um, here's some reasons why. First of all, it's the perfect mixture between a teen drama and a kind of superhero James Bond-esque setting, kind of like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I guess. Um, it's about a high schooler called Kim Possible who, you know, is completely normal and does completely normal stuff like hanging out with her best friend, going shopping. Uh, she has a crush on the coolest boy in school. She does cheerleading. She even has like an arch nemesis called Bonnie who like tries to steal her top position in the cheerleading squad and who also wants to go out with the coolest boy in school. Um, Apart from that, Kim Possible also constantly saves the world. She's essentially a sort of um, kind of superhero, secret agent, spy, but everyone also knows that she's Kim Possible and that she just, you know, saves the world. It's kind of like an after-school job. Some people babysit and Kim Possible saves the world. Uh, she's kind of perfect for it because according to the show um, her abilities of being a cheerleader have made her super athletic so now she's excellent at fighting and she can chase women's stones rooftops um, other than that she also gets help from some really cool technical gadgets that are developed by her friend Wade who's like this kind of tech genius who like Kim only ever has contact through a computer or her phone uh, I think it takes about four seasons until she meets her in person and it becomes kind of a really nice running gag that they always expect to meet Wade and then he manages some way to you know just continue to talk to them through a computer um she also has the help of her best friend Ron and his small rat Rufus um Ron is a massive dork and he's very clumsy and he really should not try to save the world like I love him with all my heart but he really should not um he usually makes the mission only worse and Kim usually ends up saving him there's also a great bunch of like super villains that Kim has to fight uh the kind of main person being uh the evil 
scientist Dr. Drake with his sidekick Shigo. It's a very interesting aesthetic because Dr. Drake has blue skin because apparently he's very evil and Shigo has kind of greener skin which is never properly explained why um and he's an evil scientist who kind of resents kim because he went to university with her dad and her dad is now a, a successful scientist meanwhile drake kind of was kicked out uh out of like a science academic peer group because he was kind of too evil and you know he wanted to take over the world so that's what he's still trying to do now um shigo meanwhile is a kick-ass fighter and she can conjure like green fire with her hands like how cool is that um and then there are also several other um really whimsical superheroes like um monkey fist who is half monkey half human and wants to become completely a monkey and also has a big grudge against ron for some reason um there is senior and senior junior who are both very rich and want to become more rich and i think the weirdest one which is maybe slightly problematic is at least stereotypical um is a scottish guy who wants to turn the entire world into a golf course um but i think the brilliant thing about kim possible is how it manages to mix both worlds together um it's very funny uh, it is really nicely animated and once you start watching it you will suddenly find yourself answering the phone with the word what's the sitch every time um it will also give you the false impression that it is very easy to become a superhero or agent or spy or whatever you'd classify compossible at which was a hard lesson i had to learn as a kid but nevertheless the show holds a special place in my heart and i can't wait to re-watch it all so if you're looking for something fun to watch watch Compossible Hi everyone this is Laura, I am a film student well I'm an aspiring scriptwriter and cinematographer and I know David through Glasgow University, we met in first year because uh, we are in the same course, we all do film and TV and it's been a joy ever since um, this is my very first podcast actually and I'm super excited because I get to talk about one of my favourite films of all time which is, uh, believe it or not, uh, Disney Pixar's Ratatouille. It's a bit embarrassing but honestly like, it was my favourite film when it came out. I went to see it at the cinema with my dad and now every single time I watch it, I've watched it like I can't tell you how many times, maybe 10 times, I always cry. And there's no particular reason. It's just like that it resonates with me so much. And it's so stupid because you're like, you're literally identifying yourself with a rat that is cooking in a Parisian restaurant. But yeah, that's the power of good movies. You know, the stories are universal and the characters are universal. And I think Ratatouille should, should should be watched by everyone, really. <laughs> it's a great film. The film has got perfect uh, narrative arc, but really that isn't like the best part about it. I think the best part is uh, the characters um, and how they're all portrayed and how they're written because they all have their own personalities, their own gestures, their own language. It's a very like um, intricate uh, depiction of uh, humanity, um, if you believe so, even though it's rats. And I think what it has is that it is a really, really strong message that can relate to so many people because we've all been in uh, Remy's shoes in the sense that we're probably not a rat trying to cook, but we've all been in that place where no one believes in us and we start to doubt ourselves. 
And, and you know, we, we've all been lost in a big city with big dreams and trying to fight our way through a system that doesn't allow us in. So I think Ratatouille is really like a good metaphor of class if you want to read into it as uh, a manifestation of class but also just an easy representation of every single one of us that is trying to get into an industry where, you know, it's not that easy um, to get in as uh, as an outsider. So I think Ratatouille is just a great film overall. There's a lot of uh, comedy. There's a lot of uh, heartfelt moments. There's romance. There's friendship. There's family. All the good stuff, so watch it. It's a recommendation. Hi, this is Ross McLeod from Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, and for my recommendation for the Disney Plus launch in the United Kingdom, I've went with the film that took Pixar Studios to infinity and beyond. I've picked the original Toy Story. Disney Pixar's relationship started out with this film and They have just continued to release hit after hit after hit after hit. But to me, nothing will ever come close to the original. It's a story about finding your role in life, finding, you know, your purpose in life. Buzz and Woody both come into terms with the fact that they might not be Andy's favourite toy or the real-life space ranger they thought they were, but they become friends because it's what's best for Andy. And that's only the lessons you learn when you watch it as an adult. When you watch it as a kid, it's just an absolutely great film to watch. It's still one of my favourite films, my favourite film of all time. And yes, my mother does like to remind me constantly that I cried when Buzz thought he could fly. I'm not ashamed of that. I will openly admit it. I cried when Buzz thought he could fly. Hello everyone, my name is Quacker, I am the producer of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet podcast and also a long term friend of the First Time Films podcast so I thought I'll record a wee audio to say what I'm looking forward to watching on Disney Plus not only that, I am also joined by my two nephews first of all Kaku, I'm age 13 Kama, I'm age 7 fantastic now for me personally the films i'm looking forward to seeing on disney plus because i've not seen them in ages is first of all monsters inc i love monsters inc and um, absolutely fantastic film funny got a great story showed my age here another one i'm looking forward to seeing again is jungle book now boys you actually have something you like and you would recommend what is that film incredibles 2 okay is that for both of you yeah why is that because Elastic Girl can do trampolining things to people and she's so stretchy and Jack-Jack has um, new powers. Yeah. How about for you? Yeah, well, I like um, all the new super- superheroes that have been added, like uh, the Void person and the Mr. Indigestion. Mis- I find the thing really fun, really funny. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, there's our recommendations for Disney Plus. Hope you like them. Hi, I'm Charlotte. Uh, I used to run Glasgow University Screenwriting Society. Um, elections in September, uh, if you want to join the committee when all this is finished. Um, okay, so, Disney Plus. I would recommend revisiting Fantasia. 
uh, to give it another go because I know a lot of people when they were younger found it a bit boring like it wouldn't be your first choice and it definitely wouldn't be now um, especially with all the things on Disney Plus but I recommend if it's under the right circumstances so try this out you've got to be a little bit sleepy um, you just go to bed and you've got to have a really good pair of headphones uh, so you put them on and it's basically the ideal solo watch for self-isolation um, so when you put it on it's just so dreamlike so it has the dramatic classical music um, and then combined with like the mystical classic Disney animation um, so it's like hopping into this soothing ancient dream world filled with like dinosaurs, gods there's that Mickey Mouse Sorcerer's Apprentice bit which isn't the best bit you need to watch it and figure out which is the best um, so I always remember that part where the, the lady flies across the sky uh, to make it nighttime. Um, and it's just so interesting to see how much you remember from when you were a kid, when you watched it. Um, so you basically have this dreamlike aspect of it, especially if you do it how I said. So you have this dreamlike aspect and it mixes with the nostalgia that you feel when you watch it, hopefully, um, which makes it a really interesting watch. Um, but even if you're watching it for the first time, uh, it's still something a little bit different. Um, an escape from the world at the minute um, yeah it's just a quiet kind of film you find out that the scary parts weren't that scary <laughs> um, and even if you fall asleep to it that's just it could be nice as well it's just all part of the experience bye hi my name is Alistair Madden and I speak on the full time football podcast the film that I've chosen to, to speak about is Up for me, it was um, one of my favourite films growing up. I remember the first time I went to go and see it at the cinema with my dad and my sister. I think my mum was working at the time. Um, so the three of us went off to the cinema to go and see it together. And at the time, I remember really enjoying it. I think, you know, from the get-go, it's it's an emotional film. It's, it's you know, it's heartwarming and it's uplifting. Um, and I think, you know, the scene at the end in particular um, really pulls at the heartstrings. Um, it, it has a lot going for it. it, you know, it has a good narrative, um, you know, not too complicated, um, not too complicated at all, but, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, the animation's really good, aesthetically pleasing animation, um, and, you know, the characters uh, just, just bounce off each other so well. I think, you know, the voice actors and voice actresses do such a good job, um, yeah, and, and altogether, the, the film for me has everything that I, I look for um, in a family film. And every time that I've watched up since, um, I still get that same heartwarming feeling that I got the first time I watched it. And, and, and that for me is a sign of, you know, your perfect family film. So, yeah, um, I'll be looking forward to, to watching that one again. Thank you. Um, okay, hello. My name is Danny. Um, I'm Ecuadorian. I live on Quito. And I met David on, when was that? 2018? Wow, it's already two years. Uh, we met on Boston College, kind of like in a party, and then we realized that we lived together. It was real cool, and it was one of the best experiences in my life, like having David like living next to my door. Well, um, I choose Tangle. It's probably the best movie, and like... Due to this situation that all the world is living, 
like we kind of like realizing how like being trapped in a single place or like in your house or in, in a tower like Rapunzel uh, feels like um, I love Tangle it's one of my favorite movies it just like shows you how like a dream like if you pursue that dream and you actually like have this idea on mind it will like nothing is going to stop you to realize it not even your mother, not even like the forces of like, strangers or like anything that goes around, like will stop you to do it. So I think like the message is pretty, pretty clear, like on Tangle, like just go for it, go for whatever you feel, like whatever you want, um, pursue it. Like even if it feels like really dangerous because like Rapunzel, like pretty much she lives like the entire life, 18 years, like on a tower and then she goes into a quest with this random guy like forget about the random guy like forget about the loving part but it's just like about how going into this amazing quest out of nothing with a stranger but like because she wanted like she had dreamed like for 18 years so she just like going to the savage wild world because that was like that's that was the thing that she saw yeah, that moment. So I think that's pretty clear the message of like Tangle, and that's why I love it. Just like even if you are afraid to do something, uh, forget about it and just like do it. Like I remember one of the scenes of of of, of, of Tangle is like just Rapunzel getting out of the tower and just like touching the, the ground and feeling the grass and just like freaking out. Um, I think that's how like life should be. Just going for whatever you feel, um, whatever you want to do. Um, of course, you're going to be afraid, but I think like if the companion is right, well, in this case, it's Flynn and um, Maximum, um, the, the horse, I don't know the name on English. Um, if the companion is right or like um, it's, it's perfect to do it, um, just don't hesitate and do the stuff that you want. And at the end, it rewards. Um, at the end, Rapunzel finally finds her real family um and of course like during this quest she gets really mature in everything so yeah that's pretty much tangle and that's why i love it hi there i'm ian shearer and this is my short review of who framed roger rabbit for the first time films podcast who Framed Roger Rabbit, directed by Robert Zemeckis, is a live-action slash animated film that chronicles the tale of down-in-his-luck private eye Eddie Valiant, who gets hired by cartoon producer R.K. Maroon to investigate an adultery scandal involving Jessica Rabbit, the sultry wife of Maroon's biggest star, the titular Roger Rabbit. But when Act- Marvin Acme, the Jessica's alleged paramour and the owner of Toontown, is found murdered, the villainous Judge Doom vows to catch and destroy Roger. In true Zemeckis style, Who Framed Roger Rabbit isn't only a marvel in technical filmmaking, but a hilarious and charming flick. I'm still blown away by how well the blend of live action and animation comes off, even though the film came out over 30 years ago. The amount of time and care put into how the live action and animated elements interact with one another is truly astonishing, and it's worth a watch even just for that. The relationship between Roger Rabbit and his wacky cartoon antics and Eddie Valiant's disillusioned cynicism makes for a great buddy movie with plenty of laughs along the way, carried along excellently by Bob Hoskins and Charles Fleischer in the leading roles. The juxtaposition between the goofy cartoonishness of Toontown and the kind of noir, real-world underbelly of Hollywood just rings throughout the film, and it just is so original, it's such a fun idea to play around with, and they do not shy from it, just innuendos and adult humour plastered throughout. 
Christopher Lloyd's hammed up performance as the cartoonish villain is just fantastic. He's just one of these endlessly watchable actors from Back to the Future to Adam's Family, and I just can't take my eyes off him whenever he's on the screen. Kathleen T Turner's performance as the Marilyn Monroe-esque Jessica Rabbit also draws this parallel between the adult and the childish so well, and let's be honest, I don't think there's a single person that didn't have a bit of a crush on her when they were younger. Overall, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is just a great film with cameos from every cartoon character under the sun as a bonus. I always loved this movie growing up and to this day, and if you're planning on subscribing to Disney+, Plus, definitely give it a watch. Hello everyone, my name is Rachel, I'm an actor currently performing, living and, well, locked down in London at the moment. Now, I know David from high school, um, we both went to Trinity High together and, well, once upon a time he actually performed in a musical night that I held in the school many moons ago. Now, David has asked us to recommend a, a TV show or a film that's now on this new Disney Plus website. So, get ready, because the film that I'm about to recommend is an absolute belter. Anyone that knows me knows that I'm obsessed with a certain Disney character called Goofy. And the film I'm going to recommend to you is called A Goofy Movie. Now, if you've never seen this, you need to actually get your life sorted, because it is possibly one of the most underrated Disney movies of all time. It's a lovely story about a father and son, um, Goofy and Max. And Max is basically, he's a teenager. He's in high school. He's trying to impress this lassie. And he thinks the way to do that is by performing on stage at the school assembly uh, a song by his musical icon called Powerline. So he gets into like costume, does a whole like random performance on stage. That does actually get him a date with this uh, Roxanne lassie. He ends up getting asked if he wants to uh, go to a party and watch the Powerline concert with her. So that's a plus. However, he does get into trouble uh, with the school and his dad gets phoned. Now, Goofy uh, is a single father and he's now worried about his the path that his son is going down and he doesn't want him to get any trouble in life. So he decides that he should take Max on a father-son trip. But as they're about to embark on their trip, instead of just saying to Roxanne that he can't go on the date, he's just going um, on a trip with his dad, he manages to lie to her and tell her that he's actually going to LA to be in Powerline's concert. Now, I know what you're thinking. How will he get out of this? Will he tell her the truth? Will he end up in the Powerline concert? I mean, you have to watch and find out. A Goofy movie has so many like twists and turns along the way. It's, it's really testing the relationship between a father and son. It's a nice, wonderful adventure and it's funny, it's sad and it also includes an incredibly catchy soundtrack making it possibly one of the greatest heartwarming, feel-good Disney films to ever exist. But I mean, don't just take my word for it. Head to Disney Plus and give it a watch. I mean, I know you have nothing else to do anyways, so just go watch it, get it sorted and yeah, enjoy. Disney Plus is out this week. What are you excited to watch? Um, I'm excited to watch 
It shouldn't be a hard question. We've been talking about it for the last three months. I know, but I'm just trying to think. I'm excited to watch High School Musical, Hannah Montana. Hopefully, Hannah Montana movie. If it's on there, hopefully it is. No, it's not on there. You can't watch that. And Camp Rock. And why are you excited to watch High School Musical? I'm excited to watch it because I've not watched it in like. 10 years or something. Do you know what I actually googled the so other day? Long. <laughs> Try and guess what year High School Musical was out. Uh, 2008. 2006. I was 10 what? years old when High School Musical came out. So I was only 9. Aye, you're a wee baba. I think oh. that's why I like it, because when you're a wee guy, you used to see Troy Bolton, and you'd be like, oft, I want to be him, he's up your shagger. <laughs> Okay. Well, Not with the basketball, I, but but you know, like he'd be like he'd be like you're the guy you'd want to be, or the buds like him. about that goal. He's a pure. Aye, that's the second one, but this is the first one. This is where you grow emotionally attached to him. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I got you. And you but, you could pretend to be Gabrielle, the wee smart person, but you'd also be a wee singing person on the side. Ah. Uh, yeah. Well be quite good meeting someone like just as soon as you meet them just start singing karaoke then that's yours I know just just get on stage and just start singing karaoke and just magically fall in love with them yeah I'm actually I've got Disney Plus opening around I'm reading it East High is taken by storm when Troy the star captain of the school's basketball team i.e. me and Gabriella a brainy student connect on a level that's more than just a school crush they discover real deep. passion how it is deep in it Real passion? A pure deep mood. It's a Disney movie. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> what is it? Is that? What do you class Disney movie? It's just you? Universal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> class. It's even better, but they've started actually going to reach her out with the show. Started doing the dirty on the sly. Yeah, that's true. Forgot about that. So you, are you pure buzzing for when self-quarantine's over and we can watch High School Musical together and sing High School Musical yeah, together? Yeah, it's going to be about two months though. <laughs> the time I can get a Ryanair flight. But I won't watch High School Musical till then. Aye, you're not allowed to watch it without me because it's a duet no. thing. But can I watch Camp Rock? But... Aye, you can watch that, it's shite. And high, no, no, not High School Musical and Hannah Montana. Aye, you can watch that. But not High School Musical. Okay, deal. How are we all doing folks? It's Jack here from FTTV and co-founder of the FT Podcasts. Uh, this is for an insert of our Disney Disney Plus special. I know everybody's already posting on their Instagram story every two seconds about what they're watching and um, I think it's just remarkable about what the, the absolute amount of stuff that's on there. Um, stuff that you wouldn't even have considered um, before that you know when you think of Disney you just think of the Disney classics well personally I just think of Disney classics and you know maybe Pirates Caribbean the, the few odd kind of odd ones that you throw in there um, but it's really really great to see loads of loads of animated series um, like my pick which I'll get to um, and uh, yeah plenty of plenty of trips down nostalgia nostalgia lane or memory lane whatever you want to call it um, a little bit about me that a lot of the, the listeners probably don't know. I'm currently studying up at University of Stirling, studying sport and exercise science, working towards my um, honours 
um, programme. I'm currently doing my dissertation just now, uh, which speaks for itself. You can imagine how well that's going in the current times. Um, but as I said, my pick is one of the animated series that Marvel has um, has punted out back in the 90s. It's the animated Spider-Man series from 1994. Um, I personally remember my first memories of this probably when I was about six or seven years old or something. I think uh, I think I got given a, a no, it would have been, wouldn't have been a DVD at the time. It'd have been a um, a video, I think. <laughs> And uh, my grandpa probably got it at the barras or something like that. I can't remember, <laughs> but used to plug that plug that in the telly um, and and just watch it on repeat. I remember one specific episode that I watched quite quite a lot actually, um, but I do remember you know watching it from start to finish and and what a what a brilliant story it had to um, really got me into superheroes in general um, from a young age. And uh, even though Spider Man's probably no my favourite now, or never really been my favourite this this series, just you know I think it just uh, goes a little bit beyond uh, just a regular Marvel show or something. I don't know something about it that just gives it a really authentic comic feel to it. The dialogue in it is cringy as fuck, but it's just you know really enjoyable and uh, plenty of good villains in there. That's that's something that. You know, you need for a for a superhero story. You need loads and loads of versatile villains. If you're going to make a long running series, you need versatile villains with you know loads and loads of motives and different different motives. Um, so you've got Doctor Octopus there, um, Green Goblin, Hobgoblin. Um, who else you got in there? Kingpin, uh, and then that episode that I was mentioning was the Spot, which is your sort of classic. Uh, superhero that doesn't really have a motive other than maybe his own business or like his own his own like p- passion so he has a passion for like interdimensional time travel or some interdimensional portals or something and Kingpin's like oh rubbing his hands like that fucking yes I'll have him uh, and we'll we'll you know, we'll take Batman down eh, sorry Batman <laughs> take Spider-Man down uh, once and for all uh, so that's a little bit about the show Um but uh, Disney Plus in general, I think, is going to be <laughs> everybody's favourite thing for the next few weeks uh, during this lockdown. So um, I'm glad that, well, if you haven't already got it, um, I'd definitely consider buying it because there is, it's not just your, your classic Disney things, it's not just your Marvel, you know, or your Pixar, whatever. You've got literally a plethora of uh, of things to watch on there, and I fucking love that word, so I thought I'd throw that in there. Um but I'll round it off now guys um, I hope you enjoy my little inset of it uh, as well as the rest of the guys it's um, great that Truffles can literally just call upon people and get them to do exactly what he asks <laughs> shows you the the uh, respect we have for the boy alright but um, thanks guys cheers for listening again and um, be sure to listen in to our next show whenever that will be it'll be coming soon post lockdown Listen up, guys. Cheers.